Welcome to the wild. My name is Laura Branning. And my name is Nate Gant. We decided to come together with our knowledge and perspective. And expertise. On life before, during, and after divorce. Well, Laura, I think, so would you tell us what the wild really means? Okay, the wild is really when you are out on your own after a long-term relationship or divorce and you are like a domesticated animal that's gone out on safari and let free like a house cat if you will okay that has now been let outside to defend themselves all on their own defend themselves feed themselves fend for themselves fend for yourself. there we go there we go there we go yeah and you don't know what you don't know yeah, and, and there but, are no rules. And what do you really know at this point in time? That nothing. 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 When you're first released into the wild, you don't know anything. Yeah. So what are we going to talk about today? You have the agenda in front of you. I do. So <laughs> today, episode number three, we've talked about telling the neighbors is what we've titled this. And that's a joke or a play on words. Really what we're talking about today is... Uh, is telling that story. So you're telling your friends, you're telling your tribe, you're telling your parents um, about your your potential divorce at this point. Right. Well, you're trying to brace them. You're trying to even kind of control the story because you don't want everything to spread like wildfire. But here's what's different about going through a divorce versus going through getting married. Right. Um there's no big announcement on Facebook. You don't send out an announcements or invitations. So it can be awkward. Yeah, it's hard to break that to your, really your sphere of influence. Uh, maybe your circle of trust is really what it is. Like to your parents, your best friends. Um, it's maybe something you've been talking about the entire time. Like they know kind of, they've had the finger on the pulse of what you're going through. And again, like we talked about before, you may or may not know. Like, I didn't know. Exactly. So, so it's different for everyone. Your friends might have an idea, but they might not. Yeah. I mean, and we've talked talked about this before, kind of touched on this, where women can emotionally break from a relationship long before they actually leave, even, um, and long before they break that with their spouse. So it's something to consider. And it's not pleasant. No, there's nothing pretty about this. And it's awkward and hard, and you still have to do it. There's... And it's emotional. Yeah. I think it's raw. The best word I've, I've used to describe it is it's raw. Right. Like, you are basically like a stage three burn victim. I mean, I've not ever been that, but you're so sensitive. Everything is so amplified, and it's just very difficult. So. Absolutely. Now, there is no rule book or proper way to do this. So there's no good way to go about who you tell, how you tell them, mm -hmm. and when you tell them. Right. And I think with even telling my, my mom, because my dad had passed away, uh, she knew kind of all the feelings that I was going through. You don't always get the chance to control the message. Sometimes you have to follow up. It's because um, they may have heard from from your soon-to-be ex. They may have, yeah. 
or they may have heard from someone else if you take too long to tell them. Right. And if you really want to be the one to tell those specific important people in your life, take that time to tell them. I guess is really my advice with that. It's hard. It's horrible. Nobody likes it. No one looks forward to it. And that's why we're talking about it now, because it's one of those crappy things that no one wants to talk about, that no one thinks about. And if you're on, if you've obviously, if you're listening and you've never been through it, you have no idea what the emotions are like. Yeah, it and, is. Well, and this also helps you deal with if you have a friend that's coming to you and telling you that they're going through a divorce. Being open and receptive and not just telling them to get over it because they can't just move on. It doesn't mean things happen for a reason. You know, this... Which is a terrible thing to say, by the way. It really, oh man, the truth is, it just sucks. It's horrible. It's how you get your eye dotted. Just be careful with how you how you respond if you're that person. How you get your eye dotted? I kind of like want to hear more about that. No, this. it's like how you get punched in the eye type of deal. Oh. That's I, a saying. And I'm thinking of this as a grammar, not yeah. as, I don't know, a thug. Yeah. <laughs> And I, there's, there's no great way to respond because this story goes everywhere. Like yes. you have people that say, oh, you'll be better off without them or you'll do just fine. Yeah. This isn't a job change. No, no. <laughs> You're not updating your resume. I mean, it definitely is a life moment, but I say that in just, just because it's so crazy. It's so hard. You don't think you're going to go through it, and you think you're the only one going through it while life is still marching on. Well, and let's at this point, you've you've held it in. You, let's say that you haven't told anyone, because I know I wasn't the guy I talked about in earlier that I told one person, then you tell two people, but you you feel like everyone's talking about it at this point in time. Well, and by talking about it, it makes it more real. So it's easier to kind of brush it under the rug. And it creates so many different feelings that you don't want to... Experience? Yeah, you really don't want to experience them. It's crappy. Oh, man. I mean, it's welcome to the wild. There are many points that you get reminded that this is wild and... By all of these crazy emotions, you are reminded this is the wild. Nothing you've experienced before. And one of the things that I remember people saying is, so the two of you decided. The two of you decided. And and it's this is that phrase where I had a good friend of mine say to me, this is where he reminded me, two people decide to get married. It only takes one person to get divorced. Yeah. So whether or not you're a part of that decision-making process, you might be now thinking, "Ah, well, is it real? Is it not? Well, and it isn't even, it doesn't have to be like this. Suddenly you wake up one day, you hear that you, your spouse wants a divorce, you know, even if you go through marriage counseling and then finally one calls uncle, like, you know, you're on this path, you know, you've, had all of these conversations about the possibility of splitting or whatever, but there is that moment where it really becomes real. And then you have to tell people, telling your parents, telling your kids, telling your friends. And it's not fun, but, and maybe they've seen the writing on the wall. Maybe they haven't, but 
being supportive of someone who's going through this process is hard, but it's something that you can do very easily by just listening. Or saying I love you. Yeah. This is a great time when you don't know what to say. If someone tells you that, and you're one of the first people that, that they tell, to just say, to listen, and to say I love you, and to give a hug. It really is. That's it. Well, you nail it if you that do that. It, it, that it just sucks, because you've been told so many times that divorce is hard, nobody should go through divorce, don't go through divorce. But when you hit that threshold, you feel so rejected that by hearing that you're loved at all, the, the possibility that you're lovable, um, it's a light at the end of the tunnel that isn't the freight train coming down, but is actually um, a glimmer of hope. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think that's because um, you feel so dark and you feel like this is the low. It's not. I mean, I don't know that there's any specific low. I think my lows came after I was separated, after I was divorced. Um, they were all, it wasn't fun. It wasn't like I was going to Disneyland, um, even on a cloudy day. Um, but when you have all of those really low moments, they are just temporary. And I've said that before, and I will continue to say that because I definitely think that's true. I think I would call this like a cracking. This is, things have happened and you've now started down a path that it's starting to crack that shell and what you've built up um, to where if, if you're just now in this phase now, sometimes there's emotional outbursts. Sometimes you're not, you haven't come to a place in life where you've been willing to accept this is really happening. Um, well, it's, it's grief. Absolutely. There's denial. There's anger. There's so many things because this is the really affirming moment that you realize that your life as you had planned it isn't happening that way. Yes. And you don't get to press pause during this process. It continues right. on with or without you. Right. Major life events still happen. Your friends still get married, have kids. They go through divorces. Um, family members pass away. Close friends pass away. Um, jobs change. Yeah. Pets get sick. Everything. It all happens. So let's say this. When, when did you tell your mom? So I had been along this process um, for a number of months. You know, I knew I was going to go into marriage counseling. Uh, that was kind of bringing myself hope in this idea that maybe there was a reset in my marriage. I was always hopeful. And, and hope can be dangerous. It's, it's intoxicating. That's, I mean, you can have a little bit of hope and it really changes your view on things. Um, well, because hope will lead to faith. Right. Which is phenomenal. Right. This blinding faith that my marriage was somehow going to turn around. And that's what I wanted. That's where I was very, very hopeful that um, I was wrong in thinking my marriage was done. So I tried. I even took trips with my ex to try to rekindle. Um, I took a break with my youngest kiddo, went to go visit my mom 
Um, and your mom lives in Hawaii. Yep, she lives in Hawaii. Um, a few days in, my daughter was about 15, 16 months old and got pneumonia, so was hospitalized. In Hawaii. In Hawaii. Super fun. So yep. hospitalization in paradise. Right. Which and is no different than hospitalization in Spokane, Washington. Oh, my goodness. And the, I mean, the staff was great. So it's definitely a different food, though. So giving, um, you know, a one-and-a-half-year-old, almost one-and-a-half-year-old. Spam. Uh, spam and hard-boiled eggs for breakfast. Okay. That was hard. It was a little hard to navigate. But I wasn't, pardon me, wasn't about to leave my daughter in the hospital by herself. Sure. With IVs. The pediatrician had to be flown in from Oahu. It was horrible. Like, this was not. It was less than ideal. It was less than ideal. And it was all about trying to even reconnect with my mom. She had been through a divorce before. She'd seen that process. Didn't want me hurting. And I knew I kind of had to, like, pull away from everything just to reset get some clarity. Everything in my life felt like it was focusing on marriage counseling and trying to rebuild something that I really had hoped for. Like sure. I wanted this life for my kids, for me, for my, at that time, my spouse. And that's what we all dream of. Yeah. I mean that there was this life, this even retirement that I had thought of that was suddenly starting to crumble and I wasn't ready for that. So being a, being able to take that time with my mom and, you know, take surf lessons and then have a sick daughter, really the only thing I wanted after those days in the hospital was even to have a cold beer and a cheeseburger. And we got to have one right on the water, uh, right in Kona. And it was like my only moment of reprieve um, because I... Everything felt so surreal, and I hated that. I wanted to feel like I was in control of something or even know what I – I wanted to feel like I had some sort of steady footing on anything, yeah. and it wasn't happening. And maybe a little bit of direction. A little bit of direction. Like I didn't know what was north or south or anything, what was right or wrong um, if I was – trying to stay in this relationship for my kids, if I was trying to go towards anything. I didn't know what I was even going towards. It was, I felt so um, hyper-aware and numb at the same time. And chaos, I imagine. Absolute chaos. Well, already with three kiddos, like trying to focus on them because I needed to provide for them. Like they were my distraction. They were my focus. They were... Uh, what I had to live for. And I think this is, like, that's a great topic to bring up, that the difference between men and women is I know when I was in this spot, my thought was, what do I need to survive so that I can pull my kids through? Right. However, a woman's, I think women look at it different. Right. And I don't think you're wrong, but like trying to provide for my kids. So then like I would put myself on that back burner and still trying to take care of myself, my health, my fitness, um, being a good role model for my kids and providing that ability to 
show them how to cope with things because I knew they had a lot of emotions. They were very aware what was going on to, I mean, they could sense my feelings. Now, you, had you told your kids at this point in time? No. Okay. How, yeah. It wasn't anything that was even a topic. I didn't want to even prepare them for that because I really try to prepare them emotionally for as much as I can, like any caring parent. But yeah, I, even trying to talk to my siblings about it and just, it was the reality. When you speak it out loud, there it is. I mean, it's not like I tried to manifest this yeah. and thinking about it prior to, you almost feel this guilt um, carry over when that's definitely not the intention. So at this point, you're visiting your mom and that's when you tell that's when you tell her that that you're going to be getting divorced. Well, we hadn't known exactly at that point, but that it was a real possibility. Um, I didn't want it to be a probability, but that's part of that denial. Like yeah. I can go through every day, I can turn this around. I'm a fixer. That's what I do, I make things better, and because remember, you're the exception to the rule. I'm the exception to the rule. That wasn't going to happen to me. Divorce was not an and option. And you will not be one of those people. Those people, ew. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but there we were, and you know, things would come to light. Different situations would happen. Um, I'm kind of being a little vague at this point. Um, it has been a while since it all even happened and part of it, you kind of block out. Absolutely. We definitely do that. We definitely block it out. Um, I think part of the reason we block it out is, is we have to, to survive. We have to, to survive. It's being able to compartmentalize. It's, uh, pretending like you aren't the dumpster fire at that point. Sure. Because I absolutely felt that way. I knew my, I was continuously going to counseling, trying to um, support myself mentally and physically any way that I knew how, but I didn't really at that point. I didn't know what to do. I, that's where I was. And I think this is a part of it. And I described it as, and, and we'll get to my story here in a bit, but. I literally tried to kill that part of myself off those emotions because it was just the emotions were overwhelming to me. If you ever heard grief described as waves of an ocean, you get hit with a big, a big wave and the frequency, especially in the beginning is just, is overwhelming. The wave comes up. So as soon as picture it this way, if you're standing in the ocean and a wave knocks you, a big wave knocks you down, as soon as you stand up, the next one hits you again. And it's just like that repeatedly. And the only way that you know to survive is is to either to start to compartmentalize that or, or to just stuff it down or to try to kill it off. Well, and it's one thing because you feel so emotional and one way to always combat, combat the emotion is to swing logically. I mean, we're on this continuous pendulum all the time and everything is so amplified that when you feel so emotional, it makes sense. It's logical to go logical. I mean, literally in that path. And because you don't want those things to spread over to the rest of your life because you're trying to at least give off this um, impression that you have it all together because that was your life before. 
before. And you don't. You don't at all. So at what point, so here you have, here you, your daughter gets sick, you're spending time in the hospital. Yeah. You're, you're pretty sure that divorce is a possibility. And this is when you bring it up to your mom. Yeah, we'd had a couple conversations before, too, and so she was very aware, and she did not want me going through a divorce. Which no parent does. No, they don't want to see their kids suffer. I mean, I see that now, even having younger kids, I hate to see them suffer. So, and I can't completely put myself in her shoes, but when she had that moment of even acceptance, I guess I could see that then I felt supported in this path in my life. Sure. And it was like the I love you, the the hug, the embrace that I wasn't completely cuckoo. Like you feel so cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs on the world. Um, you don't know what's going on. So I just poured myself into the gym to work and I didn't know what else to do. I was totally lost. I was starting in the wild, naked and afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the best way to put it. I know. Oh, and I just think things are funny. So that's, that's where we left off. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that is, uh, it's, it's, I know for me, that moment, I kicked the can down the road to tell my parents. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things that went into that. So it was um, my, actually, when my ex and I made our split, we, my, my parents were getting ready to go on their 40th anniversary uh, trip. My parents don't, are, they don't vacation well. They're not good at it. They don't do it often. Um, and so I decided I'm just not going to tell them. Well, you don't want to rain on their parade. Oh, I'm not going to, I don't want them to think about their, and it was their anniversary trip was the next week. And I was like, I don't want to tell them this now. And then we work things out. And Is it's that like a, a Debbie Dennis or a Downey, Debbie, Debbie Downer. Downer, but it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dennis We Downer, can just call it Debbie Downer. Whatever. Yeah. Negative Nancy. Poor, poor Debbie. Poor Nancy. So I, I, I didn't tell them. Then they go on their trip, right? And they go on their trip and, and now... Things are, I'm like, they're telling life me about, is happening. life is happening all around and good things. My parents had an excellent trip. They loved it. It, it was phenomenal. Well, then you don't want to tell them like right when they get back. No, because they're on a high. You don't wanna... So now we're on week three. And shortly at this point, my grandfather uh, got really sick. And he'd been sick for a long time. Let's, let's not pretend it was anything else. He had congestive heart failure. And... He ended up in the hospital, and I was like, I don't want to tell my mom now, and her to worry about grandpa and and me. I just won't say anything. Mm-hmm. Grandpa's still sick. Grandpa's still in the hospital, so I just keep it to myself. And now I've, I've actually moved out of my house. Like I don't, I don't live there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still haven't said anything. Well, and in the age of cell phones, it's not like they're calling the house phone and you're not answering. Yeah, you can definitely keep this quiet. At, at this point, I'd even – so we told the kids I don't live in the house anymore. Uh, you know, it's – or I should say this. The days I had the kids, I was in the house. The days I didn't, I was living yeah. in, in, Chad's, in Chad's place. So we're 
we're going through this, and now the weeks just keep carrying on, and roughly, oh, it was somewhere around the, I believe we were almost two months in, my grandpa passes away. And, or we, we, he was imminent, he was on his deathbed, so I go to visit. And I'm there for a full two days before I ever tell him. And I remember they all started remarking that, oh gosh, you've been losing a lot of weight. And, and as I said earlier, I didn't eat or sleep when I was going through this. So I was averaging probably at this point, I was maybe getting a couple hours of sleep at night at most, but I was rarely eating. I didn't, I, I just couldn't handle it with the stress. Um, and so I was losing weight very, very quickly. And finally one night, it was night number two, um, I'd been FaceTiming with my kids that night with the boys and my mom asked about, about my ex-wife who was then we were still married and I just kind of brushed it off and pushed it to the side and just, I said something that was appropriate to get her off my back to make her go away. Um, and later that night, I didn't want to say anything in front of, we were staying at my, uh, my dad's parents' house. Um, and, my, and it was my mom's dad, who they lived very close to each other, um, who was in the hospital. I didn't want to say it in front of them. So I got my parents to go outside on the patio. And, and I didn't know where to start. I didn't, there is no good place to start. Well, and there's no script for it. There's no right way to do it. And I just started from the beginning. And, and it was a, I believe it was a two and a half hour conversation. And it was a two and a half story of no one else talking but me. It's the rawest emotions I've ever felt in my life. I sobbed and I sobbed and I sobbed. And I've never felt that hopeless in my life. It felt like the bottom. Because I hadn't, I, it, it felt like I was drowning is probably the best way to put it because you don't know which way you're trying to go. You don't, you don't know where to try to turn to and you don't know how anyone's going to respond. Well, and you don't want to disappoint your parents, right? your kids, anyone around. You don't want to shame anyone. You don't want to uh, make them feel bad. Like they didn't do anything right either. Like they didn't do a good job as a parent either. Right. You don't want them to have any responsibility either. And the last I knew is that my parents didn't believe in divorce. Mm. And so here I am telling them, and I feel like I'm making them feel like failures. Right. And I know for damn sure that I felt like a failure. And that's that I get to the two and a half, like this two and a half hour story of how we got to where we are. Lord knows if the story I told was true or not, because the facts get lost in the emotion a lot of times. Um, we don't know. And I will tell you at this point in my life and at this point in my journey, I had no idea what was true and what wasn't. Whether I was just the worst husband on the planet, maybe I was the worst person on the planet, because that's how I felt. I felt like the worst human being that God could have ever allowed to have walked on this planet. That I had destroyed something uh, wonderful 
and unique, and I had just dropped the ball on the greatest opportunity that God could have ever given to me. And I was broken. There's no other way to put it except to say I was broken and hurt and didn't know what to do. Well, and you're not equipped to understand or handle these feelings that are going on, all the emotions. It's a lot to deal with. And that's when, I can tell you, that's when I started to say this is too much. Um, My parents were very supportive. They said everything they possibly could to make me feel loved and and, and to console me. You have to understand, too, after telling someone a a two-and-a-half-hour story and sobbing through it, you're exhausted. So you have no idea what anyone says. Um, I didn't do a good job at this point in being able to control that story because it was so raw. There were no facts. All we had was my raw emotion, so I had no idea what's true. And with time, the beautiful thing is that the truth does set you free, and it it gives you a basis to work from, too, as time passes on. Well, and the truth, um, or at least how you know that situation, becomes fact. Yeah. It becomes fact to you. Yeah. Um, so as, as we move through, that's... I will tell you, that's how I told my parents. That was the hardest one for me to tell. Those were the hardest people to tell because that was the people that I felt like I'd let down the most. Besides my kids or besides my my ex, those were the next set of people for me to say, I can't believe I let them down like I did. And now I look at it differently in that this didn't have anything to do with them. This wasn't their story to tell. Their... They're, and this is nothing against my mom and dad. I love them to death, but this was my story to tell. This was my story to own. And my perspective gives it the value that it, that it deserves. Mm-hmm. However, at that moment, I wasn't at that place of maturity. I wasn't at that place of personal growth or development. And that's what made it so hard and so challenging is that you feel like you're letting everyone down around you. And now you feel like everyone knows. Right. Well, and you're not set with those that skill set yet, though, either. This is a whole new trajectory on your life. And it's scary. So you're almost like a cat on a hot tin roof. Like, it's terrifying. It's almost like you're a house cat that gets released into the wild and you have to revenge for yourself. It is. Cause, Absolutely. Because then you fast forward a couple of years... And I can tell you, as much as I love them, this, their opinion on this story doesn't matter. It's my, it's my story to tell, and I give their opinion as much value as I give it. They, they're only a part of what I give someone an opportunity to be a part of, but it takes a while to, you got to be hurt, you got to understand those feelings, you got to be able to take the next step. When, and everything you're feeling is not wrong. None of it is wrong. The hurt, there may even be a relief or joy that's in it, a happiness between separation. I mean, I remember thinking, okay, maybe I can turn this to be something positive because that's kind of how I'm wired anyway. 
and it was hard, but there were moments that I would have like this glimpse of joy, like, okay, this is my life. I can do this. And I felt so guilty right after that too, thinking, how can I do that? Why, why am I even trying to do that? But it was how I was able to cope at that moment. Yeah. And all of those feelings are right. I mean, as long as you don't hurt a person or a thing. We're not hitting walls. We're not kicking the dog. We're not taking it out on our kids or our ex or ourselves and actually feeling all of those feelings and letting it be okay. Feeling those feelings is the hard part. Yeah. And I'd say letting it be okay, letting it be okay to feel the feelings, not just saying it's okay. Right. Because it's not. It's not okay. <laughs> it's not Okay. <laughs> And I only laugh because here I am almost four years from my separation, but I'm getting all of these like memories on Facebook, memories on social media saying, Hey, remember when you were at this point in your life and you just want to shut it all down. You want to set fire to the dumpster and let it roll away. Right. And I actually sent you a Facebook memory that I had pop up the other day and it was like, God, it's one that I missed. Like, you, you give it enough time, you get to delete all those, but sometimes... Or you can hide them. You can hide them, and somehow I hadn't hid this, hid one of them, and it, now it doesn't, there's no sting to it, there's no burn, it's just a picture. Right. It, and I'll tell you this, people, sometimes they, it does have, even with enough time, it may bring about emotion. Right. And it doesn't mean you miss that marriage, it doesn't mean you miss... Uh, necessarily that person, but you miss that life that you that had could planned have been. for, and that could have been. And let's there's a there's a life there that that you always wanted, and you're seeing yeah. what could have been, and reminded of. By the way, you could be here. Well, and we will touch on this again, but this is the person. At least for Nate and I, we grew up with this person. Like we became adults. I got married at 21. Um, a good portion of my conscious life was made with this person. Um, so it's really hard to think, wow, you can't just cut them out of your life. I mean, they are also the parent of your children. So <laughs> remember they're in your life till one of you dies. <laughs> so <laughs> I like to say that, that we've matured together and I'm saying that in a very fancy way as possible. Matured. Uh-huh. Uh, so we grew up. You have to think that, you know, with just like Laura, with, with when my ex and I got married, we we went through all these young adult things together. We got our first place together. We got all, we started this life together. And you probably understand them better than anybody else does in the planet. Well, and what triggers you to make them mad? I mean, I remember buying my very first car with him. And thinking that was the absolute coolest thing. And you almost feel like those situations, those memories are almost robbed. And they're not. They're not actually robbed from you because that person is still going to be in your life, is in your life. It just isn't in your life anymore. And it's... I caught myself earlier, even earlier today, talking to, talking to somebody and telling a story about my exes and I was dying laughing. It was nothing wrong. It was nothing bad. 
bad. It wasn't poking fun at anyone. It's just a funny story. And the farther you get away to give yourself hope, like, it's okay. You don't have to wipe out 15, 16, 17 years of your life, or maybe it's even only two or three. Like, you don't have to forget them forever. There comes a place where it's okay to look back and be like, yeah, that was funny. Right. Just, it, it just takes time. And it takes time to separate the fact from the emotion and to determine what's true and what's not. Yeah, and to actually feel those feelings and give them space so you can honor those feelings. And it's not saying that you miss your ex. It's not saying that you wish you were with them. But it's missing that idea of what you thought you had and what you wanted to have for the future. And it's not easy. And none of it's easy. No. But that's why I mean, we talked about the stair before the staircase, the three trees in front of you. Man. Ugh. It's just, it, it ever changes. Uh, it's always something new. But I also think of this time when I look back, when I was telling my parents, one of the biggest, I had a lot of guilt surrounding this. And the guilt that I had surrounding it was that uh, I felt like I, I'd maybe I'd manifested that. Right. Because I think all of us, no matter who you are, even for a guy like me that didn't see it coming, that it took me off guard, that I was off balance when I heard it and couldn't believe it was true. I, when I started to look back, I thought I could see you probably sensed it coming here, here, and here, A, B, and C. Did you put up your guard? Did you put up your shield? Did you maybe get a little bit aggressive to protect yourself? Or just deny it? Did I manifest this? Mm -hmm. Was that, do you think that's uncommon? I don't think it's uncommon. Um, I, because you have so much of this responsibility for it. Like you, I felt this guilt, this weight, thinking, man, now I've torn apart my children's life, my you know, ex-in-laws even, I felt, I felt all of this weight and burden, like I've wrecked it because yeah. I thought about divorce when it took both of us to come to that place because I truly was acting in love and not in haste. There was no way I was going to be running towards something else that wasn't in the cards for me. I knew that if this was something that was going to happen, I was going to have to take time after a separation to even consider anything else. Sure. Um, so it definitely wasn't something that I wanted to close the book on and just start another one. This was all... You didn't go into that. You kind of just skimmed over it almost. You said uh, close the book so like I'm in this relationship and then yeah. just jump into another one. Right, yeah, closing the book on this relationship and saying, okay, that's fine. This is clean, easy break. Um, there is no easy, clean break. Yeah, oh, man. And there are people that end up finding someone right away. Good for you. Exactly. That wasn't what I encountered. So. And I could have just given you the middle finger, but, you know, that's just how it goes. Good I was you. not me attacking you, so you can walk down. <laughs> Um, I know, I, I know, I know. When I was first single, not when you were first single. 
so what about when people say to you, I don't know if, if you ever got this, but I would tell someone, and I specifically remember at my grandmother's funeral, um, which was only, gosh, six weeks later after, so I've told my parents my grandfather was dying, and then my grandmother, his wife, she literally died like 43 days after, I think it was 49 days later after him. Well, and what was the significance of her in your life? My Grandma Donna was a legend. So all of us, and my Grandpa Jim was too, but she's a redheaded spitfire. Um, she always had a little bit of an edge to her. So, I like her already. Oh, <laughs> man. Like there's this classic picture out there of her. It was Sunday, uh, Sunday dinner. She's in a skirt. She's wearing high heels. She's over the kitchen sink plunging it. And my grandpa decided that was the perfect picture to take was her butt up there in the air. And I could just tell him laughing the entire time. And okay, maybe stories. your grandpa's my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> he told the best stories, uh, but she was a spitfire. Um, I mean, there's a story out there about her, us grandkids, we were asked to take a, a washer and carry it up from and the cellar. It was me and my cousin Aaron. Now, when you say washer... It's not like a washer for like a nut and a bolt or something. No, like a washing machine. Uh-huh. And she's only like 5'1", five 5'2". Five she's not very, she's not a very big woman. And we didn't do it. We didn't do it. We didn't do it. Because we have, were busy yeah. doing something else. And how else. old were you? We were probably, maybe it was a dryer. Let's say it was a dryer just to cover ourselves here. I, we were probably 12 and 14. Okay. Uh, definitely old enough and big enough to carry this this dryer out. She puts straps on it. So we get we get back from goofing off, riding bikes, skateboarding, playing baseball, whatever it was. We come Blast back. me. How are you doing that? As and then and here and here here we get back to the house, and the dryer is at the top of the cellar steps. And I remember Aaron's my cousin. He says, "How'd that get up there? We were supposed to do that." I was like, "I don't, I don't know." And so she came out there to rub it in our face that we'd been gone, hadn't done what we were supposed to. So she decided to get these straps and she carried this sucker on her back up the cellar steps and left it there for us to see that it was her that had carried up. So it's a very, she's a very strong woman. Okay. What she died from is the doctors had no, they had no way to explain except it was a broken heart. It's literally why she died. My grandpa passed away. She just, it was her time to go, too. How long had you been married? That's a great question. I, I want to say it was 65 oh, years. Wow. So they got married. She was only 17. Um, and they got married before my grandpa went off to, to the war. So that is, so those are all the stories that I remember being at her funeral. Let's get back to what okay. I was talking about, yeah. back on track. Um and by the way, when you go through things like this, and here I had a tendency, sometimes you'll be like, is this a sign from God? Right. Is this something that God's trying to show me? Because it gets harder. Like, I deserve that too. Maybe yes. I should hang in there for this. So to... I can have the 65th wedding anniversary. Yeah, because you're not going to get one. I'm nope. too old for that. <laughs> not going to live to be 106. I would only have to live to be 105 at my current age. Yeah. So, uh, but you get... That's if either of us got married right now. 
Correct. Today. Not happening. Not happening. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so, but getting, and I remember struggling with that. How is this, like, God, are you trying to tell me something? I should just stick this out. Well, and you're looking for a sign from anything. Oh, my mother of God. Horoscopes. Like, Driving the way, down the road. Oh. Bird crap on your window. Whatever. Yeah. And you know what it is? It's just bird crap on the window is what it is. Or a sign in your toast. Right. Right. Abraham Lincoln in a sock. This is that part where you have to separate what's emotional. It's just raw feelings at this point. Yeah. And it's hard to decipher what's true and what's not. Or you feel like a stage three burn victim. Everything yeah. is amplified. It's not fun. It sucks. It's horrible. It's supposed to be this new chapter in your life. It's new, all right. It's new, but it's completely blank. So here I am at my grandmother's funeral. Yes. And one of my cousins, who I love dearly, um... It's a long story if we went through family history. Let's just say one of my cousins, and she says to me, you're going to be just fine. Uh, sorry, that isn't. <laughs> That's a I, <laughs> uh, you'll be just fine. You'll do so well. And I remember being like, honestly, I don't know if I can get up in the morning sometimes. She didn't know about the podcast. She didn't know Maybe about the podcast. Maybe she did know about the podcast. Well, yeah. She had and, and here you have to remember at this time, I can't eat and I can't sleep. Uh -huh. And she says, you're going to be just fine. Half the time, I don't know if I can find my car after I park. Right. That's how lost I am. So to tell me I'm going to do be just fine, I'm going to do well, doing well wasn't on the hope scale. I was just hoping to be able to make it to the next day. Yeah. Like you, it was the stair, not the staircase. Like I didn't want to be Rocky at the top yet. <laughs> Rocky at the top was not a possibility. No. Uh-uh. Being able to sit here and talk about this and it not control or destroy me was not a possibility at that point in time. At all. At all. There is no way I thought I would be sitting on a couch talking about no, I was hoping to be able to make it past the cashier when they say, oh, how's your day going? And not saying, well, <laughs> and start crying yes. and say, well, you know, I'm getting going through a divorce and, you know, this is happening and I just don't know what to do and how this is going to go. And sir, it's only 570 for your stuff today here at the Quickie Mart. I'm sure Can't you'll go. be just fine, and you're going to do well. <laughs> yeah. Do you really, do you want fries with that? That's where we're at in life, not yeah. you're going to do well. Yeah. And keep that in mind if you're just a person listening. If someone ever says, don't tell them they're going to do well, no, they're not ready to hear fine. that. It's not fine. Everything is not fine. I'm not fine. Yeah. Which is a great podcast, by the way. Everything is not fine. Yes. So you should actually check that one out for real. This is, we're not joking. Yeah. Kelly and Nicole, that's our shout out to you. Yep. So uh, Kelly helped us out. Maybe that's improperly forward. Improperly forward. Correct. Correct. That's so funny. <laughs> Even though it's been said by many of our listeners that I am the funny one. <laughs> Are we going there? 
I don't feel like we should right now because we're kind of at the, we're kind of wrapping it up. We are wrapping it up. I think we're, that's exactly what's happening. <laughs> I just thought I would just bring that in yeah. and then shut it down. Well, just a an arrow in the quiver. So there's a couple of things I think we should say, and that is we should acknowledge everyone and thank you for the tremendous amount of support that you've shown us over the last week. Yes, for the likes, the shares, the listens. Absolutely, thank you so much. Yeah, we've broken 160 downloads now. We're kind of a big deal. Yeah, we are. I like to point out to Laura that I am actually, I host a very successful podcast. He does, because of me. And he doesn't know I say that in my head when he tells me that. So it's That's my it. story to tell. <laughs> is it? Is it? <laughs> at least that portion is at that time. So, yeah, that is dealing with trying to even tell some of the people. There's so many different facets, and nobody can tell you what's necessarily right or wrong, but you have to be able to go sleep at the end of the day, if you're even getting sleep at this point. Yeah, I, I know I wasn't. Well, and that's why going to the gym for me and going to any and all yoga classes, that was absolutely it. I needed a moment where I was away from work, away from my kids, knowing they were safe and loved, and being able to take time for me and enjoying something of my own because I didn't feel like I had any of that in my life. Yeah. This is that time, too, where I can say, looking back, you don't have to tell everyone all of the details. Right. That is, and I only laugh because the it's like telling somebody about a surgery or something. Like you're not telling them every stitch and every cut, but you're like, hey, had a surgery. So a two and a half hour story to tell someone that you're getting divorced is a little much. It is a little much. Everyone I mean, is everyone is not your therapist. Everyone is not your This therapist. is brand new information. But I will say this. The one piece of advice I can give anyone out there listening is everyone is not your therapist. You don't, you need to find a good one. An actual. Like, we have talked about having supportive friends, and I think those are very important. But finding a therapist, whether it's through marriage counseling, continuing that uh, therapy, but finding I, someone. Because I didn't go to the same person we went to for marriage counseling. Mm -hmm. I chose to go find my own person. And his name was Randy. I've said his name on here before. Um, you know, once he gives me a sponsorship, I'll totally give out his phone number and oh, yeah. around on here. Mm -hmm. But besides that, what what I found is I didn't have to tell everyone a two and a half hour story. And I had to learn to separate what's fact and what's not. Because what's what started to happen is you give everyone all the details. They don't need, deserve. Or want all the details. Well, in providing someone that much access to you, you don't have to do that. Yeah. You just don't have to. So you have to find that balance. And what you have to find the outlet. You have to control the story. One, it's just a healthy way to do it. You have to have that outlet so that you can find that balance and you can control the story. Yeah, if you get a chance to help control the story because it's not always the case. Yeah, correct. Correct. And that looks different for everyone. Some some, peop some people already know. Some people already know. They kind of saw the situation as it was unfolding. So. Or maybe they heard it from the neighbors. You never yeah. know how that played out. Right. Yeah. 
So, on a side note, Laura, Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. unless you have something else you want to add here. bring it on. Mm-hmm. So, just so you know, we're recording this the day after we entered phase two yes, of the COVID. Yes, in Washington State, yes. Of the COVID. COVID phase two. I like to just say the COVID. Yeah. We're in phase two. Yeah. So, which means... Okay, because I don't know what it means. Restaurants opened back up. They did. Which is pretty freaking exciting. It still didn't go yet, so... I, I bet. I bet. <laughs> so yesterday, I absolutely... I was there. Yeah. Like, they announced it, and I started driving. Literally, closed the laptop. I think he went Facebook Live. I'm kidding. Actually, I did for a second. <laughs> I know. And then I shut it down. Kernel of truth. Yep. So, I deleted it, too. Um... I saw all of it, which was so funny. So, and a kernel of truth is that there's a little bit of truth in every joke that's said. So I just enjoy that. That's all. But that's why I think now that we're open back up, I think everybody should go down to Crave and check that place out because it's pretty sweet. Crave. Yep. It is. Riverside and Washington. They're open up, right? Yep. They did? I drove right past it. That's how I know. I was just trying to confer with you. past it. You should Oh, I'm not good with directions. This is true. So. I mean, did you want me to pause for dramatic effect? Didn't happen. So Laura and I have a lot of conversations where I'll say something and she is very emphatic and she jumps on board and agrees very, very quickly and very, very emphatically. Well, because I like to support my friends, but sometimes that's it's not, not what, what I want you for. to do. It. That's not what I want. <laughs> She'll be like, oh my gosh. You're totally right. So I told her, like, specifically, let's just talk about this for a moment. I told Laura about some of the listeners that had made statements to me and said that I was definitely the funny one. Uh-huh. And far funnier. And so I brought that up. Oh, and far funnier. Far funny. Oh, wow. I that's have, new. I'm in that. You're controlling the story now. That's what you're doing. <laughs> well, it's my story. Did you have okay. the conversations? How do you know what it said? All right. Oh. Anyways, so I tell her this, and she jumps all over. I'm super on board. She's like, uh-huh, sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. A lot of sarcasm there, which made me feel uncomfortable. Well, you have to get used to it. Like, this is brand new information to you. That I'm super funny and I'm the That funny? I'm sarcastic. Oh, okay. That made you uncomfortable now? Well, I got confused halfway through. Well, that is uncomfortable. It's either because I'm... Are we fighting? Kind of. <laughs> Look, I'm not dumb. I just play dumb a lot of times. Okay. And do dumb things. Oh, that's part of me. Affirming you real quickly. <laughs> Thank you. See, that was a prime example of how she jumps in with agreement emphatically and too quickly. You're and welcome. it's okay to pause sometimes. I'm here to deliver. <laughs> well, we appreciate all of you listening and putting up with the banter, and we hope we were able to offer you something tonight. Thank you so much for listening to Welcome to the Wild. Yeah. In Spokane, enjoy phase two of the COVID. Woohoo!